The Urbanist is brought to you in association with the Department of Culture and Tourism, Abu Dhabi. Sadiat Cultural District Abu Dhabi is a beacon of hope and inspiration. A catalyst to spark growth and collaboration with museums and experiences, where art and science and nature and technology coexist. The belief of Abu Dhabi that culture is the backbone of our society. Stay tuned for a special episode of the show, in which you can hear His Excellency Mohammed Khalifa Al-Mubarak explain exactly why and how Sadiat Cultural District Abu Dhabi is the perfect place to collaborate, create, and innovate. Sadiat Cultural District Abu Dhabi, proud partner of The Urbanist on Monocle Radio. Hello and welcome to The Urbanist, Monocle 24's programme dedicated to the cities that we call home and how to make them better. I'm your host, Andrew Tuck. Coming up this week... We actually very directly depend on these plants for our own survival and we really wanted to give them a place. We represent them as beautiful glass sculptures and we wanted to show them as jewels because that's how Emiratis think of anything that can grow in this environment. It's a precious thing to be celebrated and treasured. How do you green cities? One place that knows a thing or two about this is Floriadi, the international horticultural show that takes place in the Netherlands once every 10 years. And you might be surprised to find out that when this expo wraps up, its site becomes fertile ground for a brand new community to blossom. As master planner Vinnie Mass explains. We cannot use the word Floriade because it's only temporary, it's only for the event. So we use the word Hortus, Latin name for garden, that facilitates ultimately this plant library in its widest uh, sense. So join us, the birds and the bees, as we find out how a large-scale green event is planting the seeds for the cities of tomorrow. All that right here on The Urbanist over the next 30 minutes. And the man frolicking through the tulips for us well, it's Monocle's Josh Fennett, and here he is. On a bright and cloudless day last month, the city of Almira, just 30 kilometres east of Amsterdam, hosted a spectacle that hasn't been seen in a decade, and I was there to see it. Like a rare blooming flower, a horticultural fair called Floriade has sprung up across three islands on a 60-hectare site overseen by the chirp of birds and a slow-moving cable car. Founded in 1963 to show off the nation's horticultural chutzpah, the fair is about all things green and even tangentially flowery, and it's open until early October. Inside, there are tulip-lined boulevards showing off botanical displays, huts made out of mycelium mushrooms, unkempt woodland and vast greenhouses, containing the wares of some 200 companies in the gardening game. There are also 33 national pavilions, where countless artists, architects and curators have made spaces and exhibitions that riff on this year's theme, Growing Green Cities. To get my bearings and understand more, I shaded from the spring sun under a sculpture of two figures in Corten steel, 
And it was in the shade of that enormous pair of steel buttocks formed from laser-cut bees that I caught up with Frank Cornelson, commercial director of Floriade 2022, to find out more. Floriade is all about horticulture, it's all about nature. The theme this edition is growing green cities and we're all about how do we make our cities greener, healthier and nicer to live in. And to do that we need bees, we need pollinators. So we are standing in the shade of our homage to bees and this is actually a parent and a child made entirely out of hand-cut cotton steel bees. It's about 20 metres tall. That gives our listeners a perspective on exactly the amount of shade that we have here. And as I look around, I can see a bit of permanent architecture, a huge flower-adorned building. I can see beautiful water, places to sit, tulip bulbs and a cable car. For the uninitiated, what is Floriade and what might people expect when they come through the door? So we are a world horticultural expo. That means that we are a world expo with a really, really strong focus on plants. So we've got everything here from fruit and veg all the way through to flowers. And we have 33 international countries and 210 national Dutch companies presenting their solutions for that Growing Green Cities theme. So you can find anything here from, as you mentioned, a cable car, which is a really, really fun way of viewing the expo site from above. You can find international pavilions where you can learn about different cultures, but also different approaches to horticulture. And we have traditional show gardens here as well. You're very relaxed, but this is actually quite a stressful day, I imagine, in the round, because it's the opening day and this kind of goes on for six months. How do you go about organising something like that that, I suppose, grows and accommodates the crowds and changes a little bit as it kind of goes through, but also that is worth visiting for all of that time? So we have had a lot of time to plan this event. We've actually had the most time ever to organise a Floriade because this edition has been in the making for 11 years. Just to give you an idea of, you know, 11 years of planning, we've master plan the site we've actually put in all the infrastructure you can see here all the bridges are brand new we have permanent buildings here and then we have a whole events team that are planning visitor flows planning all the arts and culture which is an extremely extensive program and we have all of our countries that have spent years designing all of these pavilions and i think in total there's been more than 10,000 people that have worked in designing this expo and bringing it to life and last up mainly because I can and because it's the first day and because you've seen everything and I haven't. Can you just pull out one or two highlights or things that surprised you or things that look different on the rendering to how they do in real life and that you think have been great successes and you think that people should come and see? So one of the things that I really enjoy is the German pavilion. Now that is one of the bigger ones, so it's definitely not hidden, but it is exceptional because it is an interactive exhibit. So if you do want to get active, if you want to have some fun, I had a very fierce competition with a few children uh, just the other day because you need to earn credits to make the city greener and it can get quite competitive. So that's absolutely a lot of fun the greenhouse that's about 10,000 square meters of glass house to explore absolute must visit right there and one of the things that i hope a lot of visitors will experience and it is a little bit tucked away that's our agroforestry area so that's right in the corner of utopia island and that's where we have an amazing group of volunteers trialing new ways of agroforestry so that is planting crops and intermingling them with different species and with some decorative horticulture as well to really get that soil enrichment going and that's a really really nice corner and those people are absolutely amazing as well so if you do go to our agroforestry area just talk to one of the volunteers and they can explain you everything in great detail and they make their own schnapps they might let you sample some of that as well as i explored the national pavilions my impressions were well mixed Many of the exhibits, I'm looking at you, Italy, 
were left unfinished, and throughout the site there were heaped high rolls of unlaid turf and the clatter of hammers. The finishing touches were still being added days after the first green-fingered guests arrived and began to wander through the show. One impeccably finished affair, however, was the UAE Pavilion, an open courtyard riffing on the nation's traditional mid-century shabby houses. That's shabby with an I, by the way. It's here that I caught up with the organisers to find out their take on what a desert nation can add to the debate about cities, one that's hotting up fast, and why they decided to bring a saltwater garden to this year's exhibition. Hello, my name is Angela Magali. I am a member of the UAE Pavilion, participating at Floriade Expo 2022. My name is Maya Garau. I work for a studio called Tellart, which is based in the Netherlands. We've been collaborating with Angela's Foundation SHF for a number of years, and we're really thrilled to be here. When we heard about the theme Growing Green Cities, we really asked ourselves, what does that mean for the UAE? Obviously, when you think about the UAE, you might think of desert, but we also have quite a bit of sea around us. And so this place called the Ecotone, which is the place where sea meets land, many of our major cities are actually located on the Ecotone. And so we brought together an amazing creative team like Maya at Tellart. We had a local architecture firm named Pragma. I am the executive director of the Salama bin Tamdana Naihan Foundation, so many of our creatives from the foundation got together and really asked, how can the UAE express this theme? We were really drawn to the ecotone. That is actually indeed how we are greening our cities. We have mangrove forests that grow in the sea. We have meadows of seagrass underneath the sea and many other salt-tolerant plants that grow in the ecotone. And so that really is how the idea came. We really wanted to make a presentation that was very credible and authentic at the same time. And it was Tellart's job to bring a lot of that thinking into a physical space and to make the whole thing work. And as I crunch around on the sand-like substance on the floor and pass through, I feel like you've done a very good job of that. But how did that come together? Tell me a little bit about the stages that we can see as we move through the hosh. So we started actually at the beginning. Angela asked us to speak to a lot of the different leaders in the UAE, scientists, people who are pushing the boundaries of ag tech, because of course there's a food security angle to Floriade that we wanted to focus on. The UAE imports a lot of its food and is really actively trying to look at ways that it can grow food locally. And so we had these wonderful conversations. The Minister of Food Security, who's now the Minister of Climate Change and the Environment, the Minister of Culture, and the head of the EAD, the Environmental Agency of Abu Dhabi, just giving us a picture of what is the thinking here, what's possible, what does the future look like, what are the big challenges. And a big spark for us was this one sentence, well, when we look at greening our cities, we also have to look at greening our sea because that is part of the environment. We have to look at the plants that thrive here and work with them. And I think that's really true to the spirit of the UAE. The landscape is extremely challenging. It's high salinity, extreme temperatures and very saline soil. So those three conditions make it very difficult to grow anything. And yet in these challenging conditions, you have these plants, these halophytic plants. So these are plants that are salt tolerant to salt loving, thrive. So what are these superpowers that these plants have? What can they tell us? What clues can they give us to solving some of the problems that we face collectively in the future? And one of the big inspirations really here is that the UAE can serve as a lab for the future because its environment is what the world could look like at 2100 if we don't take action. And it's a story that's told in three parts. So this is a plant show so it has a garden and that's your first point of entry you enter into a garden that looks very different to the others in 
Floreade has sand and it has pools of water. And then when you look closely, these pools contain plants. But it's not an abundant floral garden with lots of colors. The palette is muted. It's an Emirati minimalism palette. So these very soft colors of the sand and of the sea and of the landscape. And in this garden, we tell a story, actually. So it's a diagram, almost, of a closed-loop biosaline agriculture system. The UAE obviously has an issue with water scarcity and they need to desalinate seawater in order to produce water for plants and for people to consume. And so we represent that in the garden. We have a salt flat, we have a desert, we have water pump, which shows this fresh water coming out that you can actually drink. And then the brine from that desalination process is used to feed these pools of fish, tilapia, which produce protein for the Emirati diet, which fish is a very important source of protein for Emiratis traditionally. But then that waste water from the fish is used to basically water the quinoa and the salicornia that grow nearby. And then that water is purified by a small mangrove forest and sent out to sea again in a pristine state. So it's this beautiful loop where we use nature itself to create an elegant machine to produce food in an environmentally sustainable way that also protects the environment. And then you step inside, there's an ecotone wall that explains the condition of this landscape, and then you step inside into a halophytic gallery, which shows these four hero plants. There's salicornia, the mangroves, the seagrass beds that are abundant in the UAE and the Arabian Gulf, and microalgae, which is the unsung hero because it's invisible to the naked eye, and yet it basically produces a huge proportion, 20% of marine oxygen that is needed by all of the marine life to survive and to thrive, but also produces the air that we breathe. So we actually very directly depend on these plants for our own survival, and we really wanted to give them a place. We represent them as beautiful glass sculptures created by a, an Amsterdam-based glass studio Vante Teroda and we wanted to show them as jewels because that's how Emiratis think of anything that can grow in this environment it's a precious thing to be celebrated and treasured and then in the final room there's a, a purely immersive space which celebrates the seagrass bed so it's really an invitation to enter their world it's not animated it's actually a live game environment so as you approach the seagrass bed it responds to you it waves at you welcomes you in and there's a beautiful scent a marine scent so there's a, an educational aspect to the exhibition but really we just want people to feel welcome and to understand the UAE in a new way hopefully and I'm ruining your narrative but going back to the beginning I thought there was a nice nod to the fact that we're in the Netherlands that you mentioned the kind of the water spout at the beginning which is taken to denote the desalination of the kind of salt flat bit next to it how is that a nod to kind of Dutchness and how important is it that these things are rooted in where we are as well as where the ideas are coming from it's funny because when you look at the lateral landscape of the UAE it's the exact opposite of what we have here in the Netherlands where there's an overabundance of water and rain in fact the problem here is controlling the water because there's too much of it and both cultures are very collaborative around water so here it's all about the polder system and dikes and controlling it. and in the UAE it's about sharing the water so the water feature that you saw is actually a celebration also of the Falage, which is an ancient irrigation system where water was channeled from the mountains into the communities and it was shared equitably among all of the families in the community so that they could grow their crops. And so water is treated as something precious. You can see it falls into this rock face with a, a small pool and then it's channeled through this delicate ribbon of a channel and you can collect it at the end. So the idea is it may be abundant here, but in the UAE it's as precious as gold and we treat it with reverence. And Angela, I'll come back to you now. How important is it to move beyond kind of cliches? Because I suppose because I'm lazy and callow, you know, if I were to think of the UAE and think of greening cities, I'd look to the oasis maybe as a, you know, an aspiring place or think about how to make things work in an arid environment. But this has turned the idea on its head a little bit, hasn't it? It's taken elements of 
the past 50 years of urbanization, but also looked beyond that cliche a little bit. Was that part of the brief? Well, I will say that one of the things that we're so passionate about in the UAE is really sharing untold stories. The UAE is only 50 years old. And in that 50 years, you have seen kind of meteoric progress. A lot of times when people think about the UAE, especially those who have never traveled to the UAE, it's easy to be drawn to things like the tall buildings, the rapid modernization. But there is so much more. And one of the things that the UAE, I know, really cherishes is the opportunity at international platforms like Expo or like the Venice Biennale to really share maybe the unseen or the untold stories of the UAE. And so for us, this is just makes us so excited. This lattice-faced uh, wall that you find around the garden here is very reminiscent of the architecture in the UAE. It is very common for homes to have gardens in front of the homes and to have this latticed wall around the garden. But we really wanted to take Floriade's challenge to really think about sustainability in everything that we do, including how we build the pavilion. So this particular wall is actually constructed out of 3D printed thermoplastic pellets <laughs> that is actually recycled plastic. And so our walls are made out of recycled plastic. The pavilion, the interior of the pavilion is made out of timber and then clad in this 3D printed recycled plastic. And then when we are done, we can shred this recycled plastic and make it into something else. And so it is completely reusable wall. And Telart's take on technology is also circular in the idea that you can reuse things? Well, yes, indoors in the Halafitic Gallery, we reused equipment that we had used in the pavilion in Dubai. So the scent machine was brought over, the projectors were brought over. So it's basically trying to have the smallest footprint possible in everything that we do indoors and outdoors at the pavilion. While some national pavilions offered a cerebral take on the future of cities or self-sufficiency, Others felt, well, a little less neatly conceived. Japan and Qatar both occupy striking spaces. The former is in a thatched cottage and the latter in a mock pigeon tower structure. If you don't know what that is, it's something with which Qataris would once have exchanged bird-brought messages. Despite the striking structures, both felt a little confused about who the whole show was for and what the target audience might find interesting. As I wandered through, I felt the same. Is Floriade for flower lovers, wholesale seed buyers, or a clever way to snare architects, urbanists and landscape gardeners into seeking fresh ideas? To this moment, I'm still not sure. One pavilion that caught my eye for its simplicity and good humour, however, was that of the host cities themselves, Almira and Amsterdam. The design of the open-topped space, filled with illustrations by local practice Cosman de Jong, Its theme was the voice of urban nature, showcasing the natural world and how people can rub along with it in the urban environment. And I caught up with its founding partner, Herman Kosman, to find out more. Of course, you have cities and you have parks and you have nature, but more and more uh, there's an idea that we have to change our relation, that nature is not just something else. I mean, that human beings are nature that the inhabitant has to be more connected to nature, also designers eh, who are busy with the city. So that was directly a question, how to present this other relation. And then we came up with a sort of, eh, by interviewing people and also experts, to see the city not as a city and nature, but to see everything as nature. So that you could say that a city has not, for example, Amsterdam, 800,000 inhabitants. But you can also say we have trillions of inhabitants. If you count also all the animals, all the plants, all the bacteria, everything which is connected to our life. And 
that was the beginning of our story how to do this. This Voices of Urban Nature was already the beginning of a concept how to bring in different perspectives, different voices of nature into uh, the pavilion. I do really identify with that point that how you count the inhabitants of a city depends a little bit on who you're counting. And as you walk into that pavilion, as I did last week, the first thing that you feel is the kind of crunch of shells underneath your feet, I suppose, picked because of the life in the waterways of both the canals of Amsterdam, but also the seaside of cities on the coast. Tell us a little bit about the pavilion, because there was an an amazing and good, I think, use of illustration and maybe a little bit of humour in there as well. Now, the pavilion itself... That was really nice to make it completely bio-based. So it's a wooden structure. It's a sort of pergola structure. So there's a part with a roof on it. And then you walk into an outdoor space with a structure of wood. And all this wood, it's reused wood. It's collected from all over different places. And it's filled with a special facade because it's made from lime, hemp, which is growing in Almere and uh, chalk, and they put it together and made this uh, facade out of it. That was one layer. You could say that the story that you make and that you build with bio-based, so directly from nature. Then we had a second story, which is the landscape. There are five different types of gardens in. So we made one garden, which is with all plants, food-related, plants which are all related to bio-based, plants which are just for your health, We made also a garden on the roof, which is a sort of, you could say, garden you can't reach as a visitor, but it's specially for the animals, which touches the topic of rights of animals. And then we made an introduction with an animation and then billboards, we call them. We did it with a very nice and famous illustrator here in Amsterdam, which are beautiful and, yeah, you could say a little bit funny cartoon-like images which are related to these different gardens. So that was a layer. And as last layer is a layer of voices of all different people from Almere, inhabitants of Almere and Amsterdam, who are dealing with this topic. So from people who are building bio-based till cooks who try to cook with healthy ingredients from nearby by discussing and trying to design all these levels. We try to make something which is a little bit in balance. When you think about these projects, how do you stop and think about the experience of the visitor? And I guess getting them to halt in their tracks and kind of take notice when there's so much other visual stimulation. Do you design that differently from something else, say a retail experience or, a, you know, any other kind of experience? What are some of the keys that you've learnt in your long history and uh, experience and good fortune of being successful exhibition designers. What are some of the ground rules that we can take with us? I mean, we are storytellers in a way, and you can write a book, you can make a film, you can make a theatre piece, but you can also make an exhibition out of it. And what's nice about our part of storytelling is that you walk through this story. So this time and space connection. Maybe you can compare it with landscape design or architecture, but then with stories. That's what we are doing now for 25 years and always trying to layer these stories, but this moving part is important. So you're not sitting in a chair. It's not one direction. The visitors are also, you could say, they have a lot of knowledge with them and they're all different. But by walking, you experience different ingredients of the story and you do it with 
different senses. Instead of a book, in which you do it with text, of course, or film, which is quite flat, and you do it with sound and images, but we can do it also with touching. And interesting is that you, we never know how fast people walk, so you can stop, you can walk back. I mean, we have a lot of elements to play with. We are quite aware of, and that's what we try to bring in. Having got over some of the strangeness of the fair itself, a company selling seeds here, a nation selling itself there, and, yes, a mechanical marionette doll symbolising something at the entrance, I took time to retire to a quiet garden on the aptly named Green Island to collect my thoughts. Floriade will close this autumn, and the entire site will then be developed into a proper suburb to the city of Almira, aptly named Hortus, Latin for garden. Much of what is here now will need to be dismantled to make way for new houses and a rethought version of a garden suburb that fell to the master planner Vinnie Mass of MVRDV. I spoke to him about his rollercoaster role in the project. Twelve years ago, I was a supervisor of Almere in charge of doubling of the city. So to let it grow from around 150,000 to 300,000 people as a part of an ambition in the Netherlands to build 1 million new homes and Tariada should take a big role in that. We designed the structural plan for five new garden cities as Almere is composed currently already out of four garden cities, each of say 20,000 units. And we combine that with uh, say a new infrastructural metro line that uh, connects Amsterdam with Almere up to Utrecht. We developed at that moment also like the different themes or approaches of these garden cities. So there's one example that will be built in the sea. It's called Almira Island. And that uh, will clean that lake completely and uh, repair hydrologically that whole operation. So there, that's the new garden. is basically the water garden city. The next one is uh, the dike city where the whole concept of resilience is uh, developed. And that will have 20,000 units that deal with the aspect of making dikes or non-dikes, so the water on land issue. The third one is the Floriade, is actually the center of the Almere to enlarge it and to stretch it around the lake and turn it into a compulsory center for not only for shopping, but also for university and for housing. Fourth one is on the east side, and that is called Almere Oosterwald combined with agriculture. Everybody has to participate in urban farming way. Then the last, say, garden city is the repair of the existing ones. So when doing these four, that will stimulate movement within the city. So people will move to differently to new places that leave behind therefore potential emptiness, especially for renting housing, that you can have a system then to innovate the stock with that and turn it also in a green direction. The Floriade, we took on board 10 years ago the idea to solicitate for the Floriade, knowing that it would give a perspective on the horticultural sector so that we would show all species in, say, a scientific order from A till Z. We cannot use the word Floriade because it's only temporary, it's only for the event. So we use the word Hortus, the Latin name for garden, that facilitates ultimately this plant library in its widest uh, sense. I wanted to ask you, Vinny, while I have you, how important was it to plan a lot of the planting, the diversity, the arboretum, as you say, 
And how important is it to leave nature a little room to grow? I'm interested also in in the development of the site. Will everything be prescribed on how the housing and the units look, or is there a little bit of space for, I suppose, what makes cities a little bit magic as well, that serendipity or that choice later on? How did you build that into the master plan? To make five garden cities allows you to have five different interpretations on the evolutionary aspect of nature and the engagement and involvement of uh, nature in it. You cannot do everything on one side. So in this case, the choice to make the library is a systematic way and to develop knowledge on that so that every species will do it is a specific choice. It's like I'm not designing a classical ecology. Then you have species that belong to each other. If I put roses next to rhododendrons in the R section, they have nothing to do with each other. But I do it on purpose so that you can see that every species, what it has to do to get an ecological niche That's what this selection of plants is doing. So if I have a rhododendron, I have to add turf in it. I have to have another kind of maintenance. I have to show it. Or if I have roses, then I need to collaborate with allium, with onions, in order to get rid of certain kind of the the insects that would come into the soil. From an hierarchical perspective, I try to investigate what a plant needs. That's a choice. The idea is that every species would continue in and over the houses, so the facades. If you are in a birch zone, that the walls and the structure would be made out of birch wood and that the birch would grow over it, that even the toilets would be made by birch wood so that there is a consistency in between the arboretum and the houses. That was the idea behind it and how it could inspire, anticipate also on life with human beings and with the products of human beings, in this case, the houses. So what are some of the lessons from the world's largest horticultural expo in the Netherlands? Might some of the conversations held here about greening or growing our cities and leaving a little room for nature, or perhaps cherishing the scant resources we have, continue to flourish beyond the fair itself? I for one hope so, and that some of the seeds planted at Floriado 2022 might find fertile ground to grow in Almira and beyond. And that brings us to the end of this week's episode of The Urbanist. You can get your weekly fix of urbanism and built environment news by subscribing to our podcast. You can also find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and, of course, at monocle.com. And don't forget to buy Monocle magazine. Every month we cover key urbanist topics and if you're a subscriber, you'll never miss out. Oh, and of course, there's also our five-minute bite-sized audio show, Tall Stories. New episodes are out every Monday. Today's show was produced and edited by Carlotta Ribello and David Stevens. And our thanks also to Josh for his fine reporting today, too. And to play you out this week, well, here's GJ with Flowers. Thank you for listening, City Lovers. From the day until the day with